0: when it was delivered to the Navy air station at Lakehurst. The second was a month later to Washington, D.C., where it received a christening from the President's wife, Grace Coolidge. The third, if weather permitted, would be to observe the total solar eclipse that would pass over the northeastern United States on January 24, 1925. At 3 o'clock a.m. on the day of the eclipse, The weather forecaster woke Klein to tell him that there had been a noticeable drop in wind speed. The two men bundled themselves up and went outside. They stood there for almost an hour. The air temperature remained steady at a bone-chilling five degrees Fahrenheit above zero, but the wind speed did drop from twenty to twelve miles an hour. That was enough. Klein decided he would launch the Los Angeles. The forty men who would fly with him that day, which included eleven scientists from the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., were awakened. Each man pulled on a heavy woolen shirt and woolen pants, an outer windproof jumpsuit designed for Arctic weather, a pair of wool-lined gloves, and a woolen cap with long flaps to protect the ears. When all were ready, the forty trudged outside, an onlooker thinking that they looked like a fat man's regiment. Then, in turn, each man boarded the Los Angeles, climbing the short flight of metal stairs that led from the hangar floor up into the gondola. Three hundred sailors who were stationed at Lakehurst were also awakened. They donned warm clothing, though not as protective as that worn by those who would fly that day. The three hundred then gathered inside the hangar, where they were divided into two groups. A group of 75 was ordered to stand around the outside of the gondola, each man grabbing hold of a handrail. Their purpose would be to lift the entire airship and walk it outside. The remaining 225 men were divided into subgroups of 15 men each. Each subgroup was assigned a rope that hung down from the airbag. Their purpose was to keep the ropes taut and hold the Los Angeles close to the ground until given a signal to let it go. As soon as everyone was in position, Klein gave the orders to rev, in turn, each of the five gasoline motors that would drive propellers that would pull the Los Angeles through the air. After the last motor was checked out, the commander ordered the giant doors of the hangar opened. A gust of wind immediately swirled around the inside of the hangar. The men holding the ropes strained and steadied the airship. Kline then gave the order for the men holding on to the handrails to lift the Los Angeles, but the giant airship would not move. The extremely cold weather had negated the calculations that were normally done to determine how much helium was needed inside the airbag to allow the Los Angeles to fly. Not having enough time to add more helium, Kline ordered ten men off the airship, including two of the scientists. Now the airship could be lifted and the seventy-five men holding on to the handrails proceeded to carry it outside. As soon as the Los Angeles cleared the doors, a gust of wind caught it broadside. There were struggles with the ropes, the men who were holding on to them skidding across a frozen ground. The seventy-five standing outside the gondola holding on to handrails were lifted several feet into the air. Klein had the motors revved and the giant tail fins trimmed. Slowly, the giant airship settled back to the ground. The two scientists got back on board, as did two other men. That was enough. The dirigible was tugging skyward. The Seventy-Five let go of the handrails. The others released the ropes. The Los Angeles began to rise. At a thousand feet, Klein had the motor started and the airship began to circle the airfield. At two thousand feet, he ordered it turned to the northeast. The dirigible continued to rise. It passed over the communities of Lakewood and Asbury Park, the residents later recalling that they could hear the whine of the motors as the Los Angeles passed overhead. At 6,000 feet it was over the coastline of New Jersey. Klein had the airship leveled off. They were now over open water, then over the coast of Long Island. Below was a frozen landscape, Ice outlined the many small bays and inlets. The sun had risen, and the sky was clear. The eclipse would begin in two hours. By then, making good headway, the Los Angeles would be at its destination.